Um, it was three weeks ago now, um, I first talked about the family church values, and I talked about culture and about how everything has a culture, and every family has a culture, every workplace has a culture, and, and every church has a culture, a way of doing things. And a, and a culture, um, it, can be, it can be defined or it can be a default culture. What I mean by that is everything will have a culture. So we can either define the culture or just kind of let it happen, but it will still have a culture. Every, everything does. Um, you know, and every every church will have a culture, and if they don't define it, we'll just have a default a default culture. Anyway, but we believe, uh, as church leaders, we really believe in it. It's, it's, it's the onus is on us. You know, listen to the Holy Spirit, of course. But the onus is on us to define what the culture looks like. This is what the culture should look like, and we believe that should be based on what what the Bible teaches and what the kingdom of God um, is. You know, the, the the church should look like the kingdom of God. If they look completely different, something's going something's going wrong somewhere, right? Everyone agree? Right? That's that's not something. It's kind of a mismatch there. That the church culture should look like what the kingdom of God looks like, and and the values of it. So, um, so uh, three weeks ago, I laid out the kind of the first of our family church values. Um, there's twelve different family church values. And I believe God was was telling me just to, just to share these before we go back to Nosewood in strength before we go back to mornings. So we did the first six um, three weeks ago, and just just very briefly, they are that we are Christ-centered. That, that Jesus is the center of all that we do. We understand that we live as a new creation. We live out of the new covenant. We don't live under law. We live, un, we live under, under grace. The Old Testament is, is very important. Of course it is. But the whole purpose of the Old Testament is to point towards Jesus and our need for Jesus and that Christ is the, the center of all that we do. Amen. He is, he is the chief cornerstone, as the Bible calls him. He is, he is the head of... I mean, Wendy aren't the head of the church. You know, Jesus is the head of the church. Amen. Right? And we keep Christ at the center of all that we do. We are, we are commissioned people. So we're people who we refuse to seek see comfortably or stored, but we embrace go at every, tune, every opportunity. You know, go into all the world, Matthew 28, and make disciples of all nations. That is, is very much the heart of, of, of who we are. We want to make a difference in our households, our communities, and, and our neighborhoods, and, and to the ends of the earth. Uh, we're discipled people. We, we believe in discipleship. We believe in, in other people being discipled and ourselves being disciples. Amen? that we continue to walk forward from the first initial step of salvation. It's a continual journey of God, and a, a continual journey with God. Now, it's not a journey of salvation. And once someone's saved, they're saved, okay? So don't misunderstand that. Of course, they're then on their way to heaven, absolutely. But, but can we go deeper in our relationship with God? Abs- that's absolutely true as well, amen? So it's a continual journey of discipleship, understanding more about God, understanding more about his word and what it says, getting it down deep into our hearts, learning it changes. Amen, we're, we're worshippers, Amen? We're people who are not afraid to be passionate with our praise, intimate with worship. We, we love and we hunger after the presence of God. It's a, it's, a, it's a value that we have as a church. We hunger after God's presence. We, we need God's presence. We know that God is always everywhere. Of course, that's true. He's omnipresent. It's one of the attributes of God, isn't it? He's, he's omnipresent. He can be everywhere at all times because he's God, right? But we're talking about the manifest presence of God. You know, when God is, God is moving in a service and God is, God is moving in our lives. We, we love and we hunger after that. Amen? We're passionate in our praise and worship. How can we not be, right? What God, what all God has done for us. We're, we're Bible-believing. Amen? We believe in this book. We well, believe it's more than just a book. It's a living, breathing word of God. It's, 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 it's God-breathed, 1 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says. And it's there to teach us and, and to correct us and to train us. That's all the things the word of God does. We believe it's, in, it's, it's infallible. Amen? And, and, and unchanging. And we'll never add to it and we'll never take from it. We believe that all of it is valuable and necessary. You know, for living the Christian life, Amen. 
And number six, we looked at that we're community-focused. When I say community-focused, I'm not talking about focusing on the outside community, although we totally believe in that, because I talked about it in the commission of it. Okay? But community-focused as in a, being a church community. We're a community as a church. We're diverse in culture. We place great value on doing life together. We believe that's important. We develop healthy relationships with each other, believing that keeps our church strong. So that's what we looked at three weeks ago, the first six. So I'm going to look at the final six very quickly uh, this afternoon. Everyone ready? I'm taking notes. Awesome. Okay, so number seven, we are spiritual people. Maybe that's, well, that's an interesting one. We are spiritual people. Now, give this context. So the kind of the, the more expanded version of this were people who believe in the ministry of the Holy Spirit in this day, not just in the days of the early church. People who are empowered, equipped, and led by the Holy Spirit in their daily lives. So we believe in the work of the, of the Holy Spirit. So we are spiritual people. Now, if, if you're a born-again Christian this morning, you are not this morning, this afternoon, <laughs> by the time I get back to next week, I'll be saying afternoons. But anyway, um, this afternoon, you know, if you're a born-again Christian this afternoon, you are not normal. Everyone know that you are not normal. Look at the person next to you and say you're not normal. There is a person next to you. You're not normal. I'll tell you something. <laughs> what I mean by that, okay, is we're not normal because we're spiritual. We've we become spiritually alive. Everyone agree? Men? You know, we're, 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 we're three parts we're body, soul, and spirit. The world knows nothing about, or very little about the spiritual side, or some people are seeking stuff. The world will say a lot about your body, and it'll not say your mind, will, and your emotions. When it comes to spiritual stuff, the world's, the world's pretty clueless, is reality. And people will search here, there, and everywhere, different religions, different faiths, uh, new age, and all that kind of stuff. They're trying to find the answers to the spiritual stuff. But we know that Jesus is the answer. Amen? Praise God. Anyway, so we're spiritual people. We've been born again, and we're empowered, and the Holy Spirit dwells within us. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19 and 20, the Apostle Paul says this, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. That's how valuable you are to God. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. So the Holy Spirit literally dwells in us, and we are called to be spiritual people, not carnal people. Carnal just means non-spiritual people. And, you know, to allow the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. Galatians 5, 22 and 23, it talks about the fruit of the Spirit, you know, love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. And all those, that, that fruit, they're not nine different fruits, they're one fruit of the Holy Spirit that God desires to outwork in us to make us look more and more Christ-like. Now, that's, that's a description of Jesus, isn't it? He's full of love, he's full of joy, he's full of peace, he's incredibly patient, full of kindness, goodness, faithfulness, um, great self-control. You know, that, that was who Jesus was, Amen. But so, so God's desire is for us to become more and more Christ-like. The fruit of the Spirit to work in us. And the Bible says that the gifts of the Spirit and operating in the power of the Holy Spirit, you know, gifts of healing and, 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 that, and that kind of stuff. You know, gifts of words, words of knowledge. You know, understand, like, like Wendy, just, just then praying for the, praying for the youth, that's, a, that's operating in the gifts of the, the Spirit. She's given a specific word, given her a picture, a word for the, for the youth. That's not operating the gifts of the Spirit. It's not a natural thing. It's not something Wendy's just made up. It's the Holy Spirit outworking our lives. And we can all operate in that. I mean, it's not just for pastors. I mean, everyone agree. This is, all of us can operate in this stuff. Praise God. We should be people that rely on the Holy Spirit. The, the, the Holy Spirit leads our lives. Now, the Bible says we walk by faith and not by sight. Amen? That as we walk in faith, following the leading of the Holy Spirit, when we make big decisions in life, that we pray about and we listen to what the Holy Spirit is asking us to do. So that's, again, so we're spiritual and, and not carnal. We don't just look for some sort of carnal wisdom where we want to say, no, what does God think about this situation? No. Amen. So we believe in the ministry of the Holy Spirit. 
you know, old school terms, you'd call this we're a Pentecostal church, right? But that, all that means, because I know I don't really like labels in that sense, what it means is we just believe in what happened at Pentecost, was recorded in Acts chapter 2, and this is something that God still wants to do in our lives 2,000 years later. Amen. To baptize in the Holy Spirit, operate under the power of the Holy Spirit. And you see how it impacted them at the day of Pentecost. We had people like Peter, and Peter who <laughs> had a few issues, didn't he? Um, but when he was baptized in the Holy Spirit, he had that great speech he makes in Acts chapter 2. And, and many of the disciples, it, where God just radically changed them, just filled them with courage and empowered them and equipped them. And that's what God desires to do in our lives, amen? And they turned the world upside down. But it's all because of the Holy Spirit and what he'd done in them. Amen. So we're a spiritual people. Number eight, we're a relevant people. Relevant. We're people who are committed to making Jesus and his church attractive and accessible to all without watering down the message we carry, innovative with the packaging of church, without compromising the content. This is an interesting one in contemporary church. Ephesians 5, verse 25 to 27 says this. Husbands, love your wives. Maybe you wonder why I'm using this, but you'll see in a minute. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any blemish, but holy and blameless. So what this is talking about is, is that the church is the bride of Christ, the bride of Jesus. Everyone understand that, right, analogy? And that marriage, as in physical marriage, it happens between a husband and a wife, definitely only between a husband and a wife, I would say. Um, that marriage takes place between a husband and a wife um, is a picture one of the reasons and purposes of marriage is, is amazing, and God does amazing things through marriage, but also one of the purposes of marriage is a picture of the way that Jesus loves his church, okay? And the way he gave, him, gave himself up for his church. So, so using that wedding day analogy, a bride on a wedding day, and the bride makes a whole lot of effort, don't they? And the bridesmaids, etc. But it's particularly the bride makes a whole load of effort to, to look great for the husband-to-be, don't they? It's a, it's a huge thing uh, for a bride. I just remember that moment, Wendy come down the aisle. It's, it's, a, great, it's a great moment. That was a great moment for me. I hope it was a great moment for you. She did look amazing. She did look amazing. Still looks amazing. Anyway, brownie points, brownie points. <laughs> but but that is but it genuinely is a big thing, isn't it? It genuinely is. Um, where a bride wants wants to look great uh, for the husband. And and the reason I'm saying all that is for us as a as a bride of Christ, then as 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 a bride of Christ, we should be attractive to people. I don't mean we all have to be good looking. I mean, as a church, we should be attractive to people. Amen? It should be something that people think, hey, that, that's something I like. I like that. That's, that's, that. that's good. You know, we should be a welcoming and a friendly church. And I think these things are already true, okay? I'm not telling you these are the things we need to become. But I'm just using, just, just, just continuing with the analogy. We should be a welcoming and a friendly church. You know, we're a church where we, we aim for excellence in all we do. We don't aim for perfection, and that's kind of a whole message in itself. We could talk about that, the difference between perfection and excellence. We don't aim for perfection because we're, you know, church is never going to be 100% perfect because it's run, it's run by people. Only, only Jesus is perfect, and, and, and Father and Holy Spirit are perfect, right? But we aim for absolute excellence in all that we do. We do everything to an excellent standard, you know, whether it's our praise, whether it's our worship, whether it's how the place, whether it's how the place looks, whether it's, in, whether it's in our hosting, whether it's in our kids' church, whether it's in our youth. We aim for excellence. We want to do the best that we can possibly do for the glory of God. Amen? We believe that's important. We believe that that's attractional. Amen? You know, and, and the thing with the gospel is it's still just as relevant today as it was 2,000 years ago. Everyone agree with that? Amen? You know, our world is, there's a, lot, there's a lot going on in our world, isn't there? To say the least. You know, the, the, uh, the world needs, needs God just as much as it's ever needed God. You know, it's still relevant to today's culture. 
know, the world world has changed, and we've kind of live certainly in the West, live in a kind of a post postmodern world where a lot of people are kind of, what well, do I need God? What's God all about? That's some sort of medieval medieval fifteenth century or you know or first century thing, or whatever kind of they they look at it. Well, that was kind of nice nice for then, but we don't kind of need that anymore. As like as a Christian, as a pastor. I, I cannot accept that to be a reality. The Bible is just, is just as relevant. The, the Word of God is just as relevant. Jesus is just as relevant as ever. Amen. The world needs God. And you only got to watch the news for five minutes to see that the, the, more, people, the more the world turns away from God, the darker it's become. That's just a reality. I mean, it's an obvious reality, isn't it? Just, just watching what's going on in our world. The more people say they don't need God, the darker the world has become. Amen. The, the more they need God. So it's still relevant. So we make it attractional. We, we want church to, um, church to be attractional to people, to be welcoming, to be friendly. But it's really, really important to say that we will never, ever compromise what the Word of God says. That's absolutely the heart of, of who we are. We believe what the Word of God says. We're not ever going to deliberately offend people. Of course we won't. But are we going to compromise what the Bible says? Absolutely not. It's never going to happen in this church. Amen. But we will be attractional. We'll be welcome, friendly. Everyone is welcome to church. We believe in come as you are. But the reality is we believe, come as you are to church, but don't stay as you are, because God's going to want to change you. No, I don't, I don't want to change you. God wants to change you. Does that make sense? Do you believe it's come as you are, but don't stay as you are? That's not going to be a slogan. We stick on a, stick on a poster. Okay, we're not going to put that on a poster anywhere. But I'm just saying, but, this, but that's the heart of what we believe. We believe, come as you are, but God isn't going to want you to stay as you are. The stuff that God wants about work in your life, he's going to change. It's not us wanting to change you. It's God who's going to want to change you. You know, the stuff, this is a whole load of stuff that... God thinks he needs to deal with in your life. Does that make sense? But the Bible and the Word of God and, and Christianity is just as relevant now as it's ever been. Amen. Right, we're responsive people. We're people who are responsive to God. And we're responsive to the needs of his people and the needs in our community. We're responsive to God in, in the sense that we're, we're people, we, we live a life of devotion. In, in our personal lives, we believe in prayer, in reading scripture and getting it down deep in our hearts. We believe in being obedient to God. They're all examples of being responsive to God. Amen? And also responsive to, to needs, you know, whether it be practical needs, whatever the needs may be in our, of, in our own church and, and in our wider community. 1 John 3, six, not John 3, 16, 1 John 3, 16 to 18 says this. This is how we know what love is. Jesus, like Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. This is challenging stuff. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. It's challenging stuff, right? Love is a doing word. Love, love is a verb. And God's love, uh, God's love that he's given us out works in us. You know, it creates action. Now, when Jesus was, was asked of asked someone, didn't he? Asked one of the teachers of the law what the two greatest commandments were. And he said about love the Lord your God with all your heart and mind and soul and strength and to love your neighbor as yourself, which was the right answer. Absolutely. It sums up the law, and the prophet sums up what the Word of God says. But loving your neighbor as yourself, you know, because you kind of hear out in our society sometimes about loving your neighbor. I don't think people even know it's from the Bible, <laughs> that Jesus said it. But anyway, but we do love our neighbors as ourselves, whether that be our neighbors in, in church, our brothers and sisters in Christ, you know, whether that be people out in our community, our, our literal neighbors, our literal community. God wants us to have a heart, heart for others. Amen. To be responsive when, when we see someone in need, let, let's help them. Let's do all we can to pray for them, practically help them, spiritually help them. Whatever we can do, whether it's someone in our, in our community or whether it's someone in our own church. Amen? Be responsive to God. Amen? And responsive to people's 
needs. Man, we don't just see a need, we also do something about it. Amen. And it kind of follows on nicely to this one. Number 10, we are generous people. Generous people. We're people who display the generosity of God. We believe the church is the household of God. And because of that, we look to have a culture of generosity that is manifested through passionate giving and serving at every opportunity. We, we, we're generous in all that we do. And when Proverbs 11, verse 24, the NIV says this, One person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. In the message, the message version, says this, the world of the generous gets, of the same verse, the world of the generous gets larger and larger, and the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. I don't know about you, but I want my world for God to get larger and larger, for that to be true for me personally, my family, my kids. Amen? But generosity is the heart of who God is. He's the most generous giver there's ever been. Everyone agree? Amen? For God so loved that he gave his one and only son. It's fundamental to, to Christianity, isn't it? 1 John 3, 16. Because God gave, and he gives, and he gives, and he gives, and he gives. You know, Jesus talked about how if, if we, though who we are evil and compared to God as natural parents, we know how to bless our kids. And any of you who are parents, we just want to bless our kids, right? You want your kids to have the best life that they can possibly, possibly have and, and all that they need in life. If that's how we as natural parents are, how much more is God compared to that? Amen? That's, what, that's the point that Jesus was making. Though you are evil, we know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more your heavenly Father bestow good gifts upon you? Amen? I know we're not, Jesus wasn't calling us evil. He's just saying evil in comparison to God, right? That's what he's saying there. But we are generous. You know, if we understand the church is the household of God, how can we not be generous when it comes to tithing and giving and sowing into the house of God? If we believe the house of God is, is the house, if we believe the church is the household of God, how can we not be generous? How can, I'm serious. How can we not tithe? How can we not give? Because like, if, we, if we say this is valuable, then we'll do what God's called us to do. Amen? I know that's challenging, but it's just, you know, I'm here to give you what the Word of God says. Amen. How, how can we not be generous? Is God worth it? That's generally, generally what I've written down in my notes. Is God worth it? Question. Question mark. Is God worth it? Yes or no? And if, if God is worth it, then we'll be generous. We're generous in terms of our giving, in terms of putting God first in our finances, and that will benefit you as well. Okay? Put God first in your finances. If you're struggling in your finances, then I'd encourage you to put God first. It's the, it's the best thing you can possibly do. For going to see your bank manager, for getting a loan, for doing anything else, the best thing you can do is sort out your finances and get God involved in your finances. Amen? Okay? It's better than even praying about it, is to get it sorted and get it, get it practically um, dealt with. Because then once you start getting God involved in your finances, He can bring His blessings upon it. Amen? And let's be generous in how we serve. Now, I'm just, it's amazing how many people in this church are involved in team in, in different ways. But let's continue to be generous and, and, and and serve in every way. Because again, is God worth it? Question mark. Is God worth it? And if God's worth it, then how could we not serve? How can we not get involved? When you see like the youth that have just been up here, how could we not get involved in the youth? I know we can't all do everything, because I know loads of you are involved in tons of stuff. Okay? I'm not, I'm not doing any guilt trips either. I just don't work like that. But how can we not get involved? Genuinely, how can we not get involved? Because is God's worth it? Is the household of God worth it? Well, I believe so. Absolutely. So how can we not give? How can we not tithe? How can we not serve? And, and Jesus and everything is, is our example. And he was just generous in everything he did. Generous in his serving. He was, he was the great servant king, wasn't he? Generous in the way he gave. Generous in his words. Amen. Okay, number 11. We are honorable people. We're people who place great value on giving honor to each other as we do life together. Romans 12, verse 10, Paul says, Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. 
So we, we believe, this, believe in this and about honoring each other, about living selfless and sacrificial lives. Amen? To prefer others above yourself. Amen? That's a challenge, isn't it? But again, Jesus is the perfect example. Jesus, Jesus would, you know, would, would do anything um, in order to reach someone, would sacrifice whatever he had to do, would sacrifice his time, would sacrifice food, whatever he had to do, in order to reach others. He lived a sacrificial life. You could call it an inconvenient life. I did a, preach, I did a series once about living an inconvenient life. Because that's what, the, that's what being a Christian is all about. It is going to be inconvenient in the sense that it's going to deal with some of, your, uh, some of what our selfish tendencies can be, to think about self, 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 which is kind of our world, isn't it, and the way the world works. But to actually put others first. Amen? Let's live for the benefit of others. And also we believe in terms of honor, we believe in celebrating those who serve and make sacrifices for the church. I, I celebrate all of those you, you who are involved in team in different ways, and those you have kept things going over the last 18 months, and all that you do and all the people have given and, and served and just made things happen in different ways, and we've reached our community and stuff we've done in fun days. I celebrate all of you and honor you for the way that you've just, just, just got stuck in and done it for God's glory. Amen? Let's be prefer each other. Let's live for the benefit of others. Amen? And finally, as time's moving on, we're generational, number 12. We're people who may have a commitment to raising the next generation. We love to put the, put best, to put the best of who we are into raising children and young people to know and to serve God. Matthew 19, verse 13 to 14, Jesus said, well, this happens, um, an account about Jesus. The people, then people, brought little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and pray for them, but the disciples rebuked them. I guess they were just seeing the children as just like, some sort of distraction. I <laughs> don't really know what the disciples' issue was here. But anyway, disciples rebuked them. Verse 14, Jesus said, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. As a church, we believe in putting a huge emphasis, and we've seen the youth here this afternoon, we believe in putting a huge emphasis on kids and, 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 our, and our youth. That they are the next generation. They're already part of our family. I don't mean they're the future generation, because they're already part of the church family. Of course they are. But they are the kind of next generation, the next gener- generation of leaders that's going to come from these, these group of people. You know, the Bible says, train a child in the way she would go, and when they're older, they will not depart from it. We believe in doing that as a church, and to put lots of investment in it. Amen? You know, when, when we were making decisions about start restarting services, we started back in May, you know, and this was true in all our family church congregations. We, we talked about this as pastors, like we have to, that we have to come up with a plan where, where kids' church can happen. Because at that stage, because of all the guidelines and stuff, you couldn't make kids' church, couldn't, couldn't happen. And was like, well, we're not going to restart services until kids' church and, and ignition can happen again. It's just we just don't feel that's right. And they've missed out on so much stuff over the last year at that stage. So we felt that was really, really important. If we're going to start services again, we're all going to start together. And kids' church ignition will be a huge, huge part of that. And, you know, we've got youth off the ground, momentum back off the ground as soon as it was allowed, all that kind of stuff. So we put a huge emphasis on that because we believe it's so, so important. And also, as a generational church, we are a church for all generations. You know, we're called Family Church, and, and we believe that's, you know, where's, where is it? We are family. We are family. We, we believe, we just want to do what it kind of says on the tin. You know, we're Family Church. We want to be a church that are true family. It doesn't mean we're just a church for families. Of course, it doesn't mean that for literal, physical families with kids. It means we are a family of people. It's for all generations. It's for kids. It's for youth. It's for middle age. It's for, for older people. It's for all generations to truly do what it says on the tin, to be a family church. Amen. So that's, so that's, that's our, the six uh, final family church values. Amen. We're generational. We're honorable. We're generous. We're spiritual. 
uh, we're responsive, and don't forget the other one, and we're relevant, amen, in every different way. And I just, I just encourage you to get these down deep into your heart. You can find them on the Family Church website as well, with a little spiel about each one. Amen. Let's just go into, back into Sunday mornings just with a great culture. Let's reflect the kingdom of God in all that we're doing. Let's be believing in faith for, for God to do amazing things as we go back to mornings, mornings as well. Let's all just stand. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. God, you're so, so good. Thank you, God. Lord, we thank you for your word of God. Lord, we thank you for all that it teaches us. Lord, we thank you for what you taught about the kingdom of God and, and how that should outwork. Lord, and I pray, Lord, that, Lord, as a church, Lord, that we will reflect your kingdom. Lord, we will reflect you, Lord God. Lord, that we will just be relevant in all that we do. Lord, we'll be attractional. Lord, that we truly will be a generational church. Lord God, full of every generation. Lord God, that there is. Lord God, that loves every generation, that values every generation, and also put a huge emphasis on raising up the next, the next generation of children and youth and seeing them serving and growing to all that you have for them. Lord God, may we always be responsive to you. May we always be generous. Lord, may we all, Lord, live with the understanding, Lord, that we're spiritual people. We're not normal, Lord God, because the Holy Spirit dwells in us. May we be a people that always rely on you. May you equip us and empower us. Lord, may we not rely on our own strength, on our own, our own decision-making. Lord, may we be led by you. Thank you, Lord God. Lord, may we be a church that are honorable, Lord, that honor others, Lord God. Honor others above ourselves, Lord God, that live sacrificially, Lord, for the benefit of others. Thank you, Lord. You're a wonderful God. Lord, empower us, equip us. Use us for your glory. Make this church into all, Lord, that you desire it to be. And as we go back to mornings, Lord, maybe just start with so much strength, Lord God. May, may it be such a freshness, Lord. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you're always doing a new thing. Lord, your mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, and you're always doing a new thing. Lord, you make a way in the wilderness, and you make streams in the wasteland. Lord, we want to perceive what you're doing. And I pray as we go back to morning, there'll be such a freshness and a newness to what you're doing, oh God. Lord, we pray for tons of visitors, Lord, for loads of salvations, Lord, for people to be set free and healed and delivered, oh God. Lord, do what you want to do, oh God. Maybe a church that truly reaches our community. Thank you, Lord God. We just want you to be glorified in all that we do. So I want to pray a prayer, second prayer, just quickly. Just give anyone an opportunity to, if you don't currently know God, just invite God into your life this afternoon. Now, Jesus paid a huge price for you 2,000 years ago. And we talked about how, the, how Christianity is just as relevant now as it was then. What, what, and the reason Jesus came and he died on a cross was to deal with our sin. And sin just means anything we've ever done wrong. And if we're honest with ourselves then we can all accept that none of us have lived perfect lives or sinless lives. Sin just means anything we've done wrong. It's not a, a word we need to avoid. It just means anything we've ever done wrong. And, and anything that we do wrong, it separates us from a holy God, a holy and righteous God. So God had a plan for dealing with that, and that was to send his son Jesus to, to take that sin all upon himself and then to rise again and defeat the power of sin and death once and for all. And he did that for you. And even though you weren't born 2,000 years ago, he still did it for you, did it for the whole human race. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son. Anyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God desires to have a relationship with you. He desires to have eternal life. And all you've got to do is just invite him in. Say, God, that's me. So I'm just going to pray a prayer, and I'd encourage you to pray this prayer if you want God in your life, or maybe just you've gone off track. 
and you just need to get things sorted, you just need to do business with God this afternoon, I'd encourage you to pray this prayer as a recommitment and get yourself back on track with God. He's just waiting with open arms for you to return. Let's all just pray this together. Thank you, God, for sending your son Jesus to die on a cross for me. Thank you that you did that because you love me. I ask you now, Jesus, into my life. I ask you to wash me, to make me clean, to forgive me, to make me new. I want to live for you. I want to serve you. I want to know eternal life in your presence forever. In Jesus' name, amen. If anyone's prayed that this afternoon, you've never prayed a prayer like that before. You're just getting things back on track with God, doing business with God today. I just encourage you just to raise your hand and say, yeah, Pastor Paul, I've prayed that today. I've invited God into my life. So anyone, don't miss your opportunity. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, you're so, so good. You're amazing. You are truly amazing. Thank you, Lord God. May, Lord, you just be at the center, Lord, of all that we do. Lord, as those 12 family values, they're not in order of importance other than the first one, Lord, is that we're Christ-centered. I pray you will be the center of everything. Everything we do, every team, the kids' church, youth, every team we're involved in our praise and worship, Lord, the messages, Lord, everything, everything that happens, Lord God, Lord, even the announcements, Lord, that you will be the center of everything. Everything will be about you. Everything will reflect you. Everything will be about pointing towards you. Everything will be about glorifying you. Lord, that is our heart's desire. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God is good. Praise God. So we're going to close the service there. And if you've got kids out in kids' church, please don't collect them straight away. Obviously, next week we'll be able to do teas and coffees after service. Remember, it's all free, as Annie mentioned. That's going to be great. And we're doing teas and coffees before the service as well. Um, at 10, um, that'll be great. So, yeah, it's been good to actually be able to hang out and chat and all those things that are, that are good. Praise God. Praise God. So have a very blessed week. Um, we'll see you next Sunday morning.